Well, good morning. We are continuing our series in 2 Corinthians together. This is a letter that Paul wrote because his relationship with the church at Corinth had been damaged. His leadership and his qualifications about being a leader has been questioned, and Paul in this letter is pursuing reconciliation. In the previous section of this letter that Pastor Dave preached on last week, we see that reconciliation with God is offered through the work of Jesus, and these Corinthian believers are reconciled to God but many of them are still rejecting Paul as a messenger of reconciliation. Paul's appealing to these Corinthians to be reconciled both to God and to himself, but they just couldn't believe that a true apostle would be subjected to so much weakness and suffering like Paul experienced. So Paul here in our passage doubles down in his vulnerability about his weakness, his suffering, and his need for great endurance as he faced many trials and afflictions. So we're going to look at 2 Corinthians 6, 1 through 13. You can follow along your order of worship or just listen as I read. Working together with them, we then appear, appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacles in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger. By purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, gentle love. By truthful speech and the power of God with weapons of righteousness for the right and for the left. Through honor and dishonor. Through slander and praise. We are treated as impostors and yet are true. As unknown yet well known. As dying and behold we live. As punished yet not killed. As sorrowful yet always rejoicing as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. In return, I speak as to children. Widen your hearts also. This is God's word. It's given us for our good. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for the chance we have to worship you. We thank you for your spirit that is present, present as your word is brought before us, present as we come to you now, longing to hear what you want to hear, what we need to hear. And I pray that your message, your words, your truth will come through this time we have now to look at what Paul says in this letter. In your name, amen. So many years ago now, I was living near Atlanta, and my family had a membership at the YMCA, and so did my boss. Uh, He was the pastor of the church that I was serving in, and he was really into working out. Me, not so much. But I was with him in the weight room, and I noticed this pull-up machine I had never seen before. I looked at the machine, and I added a bunch of weights to it, and I kneeled on the platform, and I pulled myself up. And I've never been good with pull-ups. I hate them. But for some reason, I really enjoyed this machine. And I felt like I was doing a great job in all these pull-ups. Well, my boss comes walking by, and he looks at me, and he says, you're doing it wrong. 
For this machine, you need to counterbalance your own weight with the weights you put on. And so he said, you need to take off a lot of the weights that you have put on this machine. And he then proceeded to do that for me. I tried to do a pull-up, and I got through one, and it was too hard. <laughs> I did not like that machine anymore. And I will admit, when my boss left, I added more weights to it to make it more enjoyable. <laughs> I was thinking about that story this week in regards to suffering and struggles in our lives. Some of us do not handle suffering well. Some of us are like I was on that pull-up machine. We're not approaching suffering in the right way, and we might not even realize it. Some of us, when it comes to our struggles, try really hard. We think we have what it takes to pull our way out of the suffering and the struggles, and it's like me on that machine, barely able to get one pull-up in. And some of us, when it comes to suffering, want nothing to do with it. We respond like I did with the machine. We avoid the problem. We deny what is going on. We try to numb ourselves from the pain or escape the pain. We want nothing to do with suffering. Well, I think this passage today is a good passage for us to help us think about our suffering and our trials in our lives. This passage before us, like other sections that we have looked at and we will continue to look at, Paul is defending his ministry as an apostle with God's power despite human weakness. Paul, as he has done elsewhere in this letter and other letters, defines his life and ministry in light of Jesus and the cross. Paul recognizes that as a follower of Jesus, we will follow Jesus at times in suffering. Verse 4, Paul identifies himself as a servant of God in all that he does. A servant, literally a bondservant, a slave to God. And a true servant of God is a suffering servant at times. As we heard in our gospel lesson, Jesus himself said, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So while this passage we're looking at is about Paul and what he went through, I think we can gain from looking at this passage for our lives and our call to endure during our suffering. If anyone follows after Jesus, we are called to take up our cross at times and suffer. A follower of Jesus is a servant of God. So like Paul says in verse 4, we too can say, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way with great endurance. We need great endurance because of the reality of suffering in our lives. Many commentaries that I read this week Talk about Paul in verses 4 and 5 giving us three types of categories of suffering that we will experience. The first category listed in verse 4 that Paul talks about is general troubles that happen to all of us living in this world. Afflictions, hardships, calamities. Afflictions are those things that happen because we live in a broken world, a world that was created good by God, but because of sin, we live in a world that is not the way it is supposed to be. And afflictions is something that causes great pain and suffering in our lives. A sickness in your life or in the life of someone you love is deeply distressing. An unstable situation at your work, with your roommates, in your family, that hurts deeply and causes you great concern about the upcoming holidays with them. A broken relationship that you long for it to be restored, but it is still broken. 
anxiety that keeps you up at night, depression that makes you not want to get out of bed. I could go on and on in this. So many of you are carrying the weight of afflictions, and it is deep, it is consuming, it is difficult. And I am sorry. Next, Paul lists hardships. Hardships are those things or those times in our lives when we are short on something we need. Food, money, security, safety. Maybe we feel short on peace in a very anxious world. Maybe we feel short on justice in an often unjust world. And finally, he lists calamities. Those disasters or those situations that seem to come out of nowhere in your life that call from the doctor about the diagnosis that changes everything. The unexpected loss of a job, a pandemic that just seemed to not be able to go away. You know, until Jesus comes back and makes all things good and right again, we will face general troubles and struggles in our lives. But Paul continues on in verse 5 to talk about another type of trouble that we might face, and that is trouble from others. Paul, in verse 5, talks about three things that you could read about in the book of Acts that Paul himself personally experienced. Beatings, imprisonment, riots. These three things were the result of Paul attempting to share the good news of Jesus with others. These three things happened many times in Paul's life because of his faith in Jesus. Now, we might never experience the specific suffering for our faith that Paul experienced, but there are times if we live out our faith, we will experience suffering. If we truly attempt to live our lives loving God like we should and loving our neighbor like we should, we could and we actually should find ourselves at times out of step with society. And that at times sometimes causes us struggles. And finally, Paul lists these struggles that he faced in ministry. Labors, sleepless nights, hunger. Paul worked really hard as a missionary, as a church planner, as a pastor, as a writer, on top of being a tent maker that Pastor Aaron talked about a few weeks ago. Some of these trials, it seems like, are troubles that Paul voluntarily took on for the sake of the gospel. And these troubles are real and tiring. And some of you, as you labor and share and care about the gospel, experience this type of struggle. Loving that difficult person is hard at times. Caring for someone that seems to always disagree with you in whatever you believe or say is painful. Volunteering at various places, which many of you do, volunteering here at Covenant is at times tiring. Serving others and serving God is laborious at times. And some of you know sleepless nights often because you are concerned about someone. Your parents, your children, that person in your life you care for that has no idea who God is. It's laborious and perhaps can cause you sleepless nights as you think about your situation. Some of you spend nights praying because you can't sleep because you're so concerned about someone else. Entering to someone else's pain, caring for someone else's struggles is laborious and will cause sleepless nights at times. All this to say is that suffering and oppression will happen in our lives and it will be hard and painful. And we have to be careful how we respond to this suffering. 
I once again was recently convicted of how unhealthy I am with dealing with struggles. Some of us in this room, when it comes to suffering, we just try to suck it up, endure, press on with the hardships, and not let anyone in or just a few people in. Some of us, when it comes to suffering, really believe that we're self-sufficient in and of ourselves to handle anything that comes our way. Some of us are self-righteous in our suffering because we think we're better than others in how we handle difficult times. And some of us right now are full of self-pity and anger and bitterness towards others because it looks like everyone has it together, but we're struggling deeply and we're resentful. And many of us are a mixture of all those unhealthy ways to address suffering. I'm grateful that we can see here and elsewhere that Paul does endure many hard things for the gospel. But I'm also so grateful that he readily acknowledges his weakness and his need for God and others. Paul is vulnerable in his pain and suffering. Paul is honest and real about his pain. In verse 11, he says his heart is wide open. He is vulnerable about all the difficulties he is going through. He has suffered a ton, and he gives us the right perspective we need to have. You know, life is not always good and perfect if we follow Jesus. Despite what some might say, we are not promised glory and power as long as we believe in God. Christians do not have it all together just because we believe in Jesus. Believing that God is the Father and he provides all that we need, which is true, doesn't mean we need to act like we have it all together and we're in total control all the times. Sadly, in my own life, and I've seen it in others, we respond to suffering and pain with hypocrisy or shallowness in trying to hide the truth. A false, cheerful spirituality is something we must fight against. But as well, we must fight against the opposite response to suffering, being someone who is always gloomy and always pessimistic and always without hope. Triumphalist in everything we do or defeatist in everything we do, both are unhealthy ways to respond to the pain in our lives. We must grieve and celebrate at the same time. We must mourn and hope at the same time. What we believe, the gospel, the good news of Jesus gives us a different viewpoint of our lives, including our suffering. The true view of who we are in Christ is very different than the human point of view that we're often drawn to believe. And I love how Paul expresses these different perspectives in verses 8 through 10. Just listen to these different perspectives. Through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, treated as an imposter yet true, as unknown yet well known, as dying but behold we live, as punished yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, and as having nothing yet possessing everything. Now, the way the world of the Corinthian church and the Corinthian city looked at things was very different than the way Paul looked at things. The Corinthian Christians valued traits that were respected by the world, and Paul did not seem to exhibit these traits. The Corinthian Christians wanted to be prominent, respected civilians with status and influence in their society, and they expected their leaders to be as well. They wanted honor, not dishonor. They wanted power and prestige and possessions rather than weakness and sorrow and poverty. And is our world and is our church any different today? 
I believe Paul's perspective is very different than the world he was in and our world today. And it is good for us to be reminded of this perspective today. To know and believe, for example, that it says we are dying, but the hope of the gospel is that we will live. That God has promised us that one day he will deliver us into his kingdom where there will be no more tears and death and suffering and injustice and pain. It is hard to believe this at times, but it is true. And that is why Paul can say we are sorrowful, we are honest about our pain, but we are also rejoicing. We know that God is going to make all things right, but we do not need to deny the pain or fake like it is all fine. And yet in our pain, we can rejoice in our God, that we can have hope in our pain, that we can have hope in our waiting. And that allows us to believe what Paul says at the end of verse 10. That we can have nothing, yet possess everything. The value systems of the kingdom of God and the world thinks is nothing, God says, is everything. Jesus himself in his great sermon on the mount says, Blessed or happy are the poor in spirit, the mourners, the meek, the merciful, the pure in heart, and the peacemakers. Often our natural world looks at these people as insignificant and undesirable, but Jesus says to them is the kingdom of heaven. Though it looks like we have nothing, we have been given everything. I could go on and on about this, but let me stop at one line that really struck me in verses 8 through 10. Paul at the beginning of verse 9 says, We are unknown, yet well known. By the world and the critics of his ministry, Paul was regarded as a nobody. He was not recognized by anyone really at all. But Paul believes that he is known. He is known deeply by God. He is known intimately by God. He is known completely by God. And the good news of the gospel, even if it is so hard for us to believe at times, is this is true for you and me right now. God knows us deeply, intimately, and completely. God knows you right now in that struggle that you're going through that you're afraid to tell anyone because they won't understand, you think. God knows you right now in those doubts and those questions that you have about who he is and what he's doing in this world. God knows you right now if this weekend has been a good week or this weekend you have done things you wish you did not do when it comes to your faith. This is huge and this is a good vision and direction to have in our lives that we are known by God. But how do we grow in believing this truth? How do we help ourselves believe that we are known by God? Well, brothers and sisters, what you are doing right now is a huge way to be known by God and to believe you're known by God. When we gather together as God's people and we worship, it is a reminder of not only who God is, but that who we are as his children and that we are known and loved by him. When we sing praises to God, even when we don't feel like God is present right now, we can be reminded that he is here and he knows us. When we pray to God and we give him those questions we have and those doubts we have and those pains we have, it is a reminder that we are known by God. When we get to feast on this meal in just a little bit, a beautiful picture that God knows you and loves you completely and deeply. And I also believe that we are known more, when we are known more by others, we can believe we are known by God. God uses others to point us to himself. 
God does not want us to hide from him like our first parents did in the garden after they sinned and tried to avoid God. Nor does God want us to hide from others. When we hide from others, when we don't open up our hearts to others, we lose out on the chance to be known. Paul ends this section in this part here calling these believers to open up themselves to Paul. Paul wants them to open up their hearts to him like he has for them. Paul says his heart is wide open to them, and then he asks them to widen their hearts to him. Paul makes the first move, but he longs for them to respond in kind. When we open up our hearts to others, when we are honest with our struggles with each other, when we're willing to be vulnerable with one another, we will be known. We will be known by others, and I believe this will help us believe more that we are known by God. You do not need to be alone in your struggles. You don't have to pretend like everything is okay. It's often not. Our desire here at Covenant is to be a place where you can be seen and known and that you can help others to be seen and known as well. This takes a lot for this to happen and we have a long way to go. In fact, everything that I've talked about today seems just a little too far out of reach to me. When I face struggles, I want to run, I want to hide, I want to suck it up, and I do not want to let too many people in. How do we respond to the struggles the way Paul did? Is it even possible? Well, I think we start by realizing everything that we need, we have been given by God to help us. What we need cannot come for ourselves. So Paul points to the Holy Spirit in verse 6. In the midst of all the struggles and pain, he says the Holy Spirit is given to us to fight against the struggles and suffering we experience. The Holy Spirit gives us knowledge, pointing us to who God is and who we are. The Holy Spirit gives us patience and love as we treat others with respect and honor, even if they do not treat us that way. Paul points to truthful speech in verse 7. That's offered to us as power. God's word, God's promise, God's truth of who he is and what he promises to be for us in the midst of our trials. And in verse 7, Paul continues on to talk about the power of God and the weapons of righteousness that all believers are given. Spiritual weapons given to us not based on our own power and righteousness, but based on God's power and Christ's righteousness. Paul's challenge to us is we must rest in the power of God through his word and his spirit and the righteousness that he gives us to do. And here is the key. We cannot forget. We cannot forget that all of our sins and all of our failings and all of our inadequacies and the ways that we often blow it when it comes to our suffering and our struggles, all of it has been dealt with on the cross. All of it. That is why Paul began this section with a challenge to the Corinthian church that I challenge us as well as we end our time together. Verse 1 has these words that he appeals to them and to us. Do not receive the grace of God in vain. Do not receive the grace of God in vain. Do not forget and apply the truth that God has offered his free grace to us through Jesus. Do not forget that the day of salvation that he alludes to from Isaiah here in verse 2 has come because Jesus has died and rose again. Do not receive the grace of God in vain by forgetting the hope of the gospel that has been provided for us. The grace of God given to us can help us in our times of trouble and struggles. May we believe this and may we live it out in our lives. Let me pray for us.
Father, we pray, wherever we are right now, with our understanding of grace, with our belief of grace, with our apprehension to understand grace, with our excitement to know grace, wherever we are today, please help us not to receive the grace you have given us in vain. Please help us to know and believe that the day of salvation is here, and that is our hope, even in the midst of very difficult lives that so many of us are in right now. We thank you that you know us, you love us, and you provide all that we need for us. May we believe this in our lives today. In your name, amen. Let's stand together.